0: A perfect segue, Mike. It's like we planned it. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm excited to start uh, and actually jump into a new series uh, starting tonight um, called Normal Church. Uh, Everyday calling for everyday Christians. And and right along the lines of what what Mike was just saying, right? That to be a faithful church member, you don't have to wait until you are perfect. Uh, You don't have to be the perfect church member to be a faithful one. And, uh, and so what my purpose is in this series is to be as practical as pop- possible, biblical as possible, to help every single one of us know what does it look like for me, just as a normal person in the church, to be faithful in my calling as a church member. Right? The question may arise in your own mind, what is a church member supposed to do? Right? Now, we, we make a big deal about church membership, we pump it up, we have prospective members class, come be, become, be a part of what God's doing here, come join us, find out what we believe, be a member, be part of our family. And then, and then what? What happens after that? How do I know if I'm being a faithful church member? You know, sometimes uh, the illustrations that come to my mind betray the fact that I have small kids and also that I was the youth pastor for a couple of years, so <laughs> I wanna preface this illustration with that. But. In a certain Pixar movie about fish, um, uh, there's this part in this movie where the, 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 these fish are in a fish tank, and they have this grand plan of escaping. Right? They want to get back to the ocean. And, and so they come up with this plan that they're going to uh, rig the filter... To, to make it break, which will make the, the, the aquarium just kind of uh, gloss over in, in, in algae and, and nastiness. And so uh, that would prompt the owner to take the fish out in little baggies and place them on the counter while they clean the tank. And while they're distracted cleaning it, they're gonna roll across the counter, out the window, across the arning, across the street, and into the harbor, all right? I have seen it a couple times, yes. Um, <laughs> but there's this part in there at the end of the movie they finally come up with this plan and they're waiting for it and they the time comes and they roll across and they go out the window and they're all in their own little baggies of water and they get go into the harbor and then they look at each other and they say now what what?" (laughs) all right here we are have we thought about getting out of these baggies how are we going to do that And sometimes as church members, right, we we, we talk a lot about being a part of the church and and being a part of what God is doing here. But then when you're finally in, now, now what? What am I supposed to do? Is it clear what my role is in the church? A while back, we had talked through the mission of the church. But what about my mission as a church member? you know, why is this such a confusing question? Why is this not a straightforward question for us? I think the answer is partly in how a church forms its own culture of church membership. How does the organization and administration of the church result, and how does that result in what expectations are placed on church members? In other words, really, the expectations on church members of the clarity of it very, relies very heavily on the culture. What, what's, what, is, what is the church all about? If the church is just one big performance, then what are the members? Well, they are the audience. Right? And that's my role. I, I come and I take in, I'm, I'm the audience. If the church is one big program or a conglomeration of programs, well, who, what are the members? They're the volunteers, right? They're the manpower. Wrong ecclesiology, ecclesiology being the theology of the church, wrong ecclesiology directly impacts individual Christians. And a performance-based church will create passive members, right? Consumers. Those who are there to take in the production and enjoy the experience. A program-driven church creates burnt-out members, The constant pressure to keep all the church programs humming can be overwhelming and discouraging. And so, if the church is neither a performance nor a program, what is it? And what is the normal Christian's role? I think it's safe to say that we tend to overcomplicate church. And this is why we regularly need the refreshing and simple reset of Scripture to bring us back to our mission. I think when we overcomplicate church, we tend to fall into a state where we have some members who think, well, I'm just not, I'm not capable of that. Or I'm not as impressive as that individual. So who am I? Right? And we fall into what we read in 1 Corinthians 12, where one member of the body says, well, because I'm not a hand, I'm of no use to the body. But the scriptural pattern is very clear. Every single member is called to fulfill a role. And we we highlight that, but often we fall short of just very clearly and specifically laying out this is what you are called to do as a normal church member, a normal Christian. And it's really, really simple. As we consider God's design for the local church, we discover a simple yet vitally important mission, not just for the church as a whole, but for individual Christians in the church. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. We have looked at this passage. It is a familiar passage, but as I was considering what what passage really encapsulates this well, I, I, I couldn't go to any other passage. We see a normal, simple mission for the normal Christian in the church. I don't care who you are, a new Christian a seasoned Christian, male, female, young, or old, what we read in this passage is your calling as a normal Christian. If you're a member in this church and you're asking, now what? This passage has your answer. This passage gives you your purpose. And so let's read this passage together. And then we're going to go through a very simple outline because this is about normal church, so simple outline to go along with it. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, And, and narrow in on what is your calling, what's your job, what's your mission as a normal Christian in a normal church. We see, first of all, in this passage that the goal is maturity. The goal is maturity. Why, do Christ, why does God want us to gather together as a church family? We tend to spend so much time and thought asking, what do we want our church to look like? Uh, how do I want to be used in the church. But we fail to ask the question, what does God want us to see? What does God want to see in us? What is his goal for the church? Why did he create this thing called the church? What's his purpose in it? And we find the answer in verses 13 through 14. Verse 13 shows us the positive side of this goal, and verse 14 shows us the negative side of missing that goal. Let's look first of all at the positive side, verse 13. Paul gives us multiple descriptors to describe this goal. Through the process of growth, which we'll look at in a moment, we are are to aim toward the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You being being part of this church should result in greater knowledge of Christ and unity in the faith. As he continues in verse 13, you should progressively become more and more mature. You should become more like Jesus. We read in verse 13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. As humans, in a fallen world, we reflect the image of God But sin has marred that image, and we live disordered lives in a disordered world. And yet, by His Spirit and through His Word, God has given us a way for the image of Christ to be progressively restored as we have our thinking and desires and actions transformed by adhering our lives to the character of Christ and the truths of His Word. If you are part of this church, you should be becoming more like Jesus, you should be growing in maturity. And I fear that many people who conclude, you know, I just, I don't really see the point of church. I fear that at least some of those are those who never experienced the clear goal of Christian maturity. Perhaps in their, in their experience, church was just a big program or a big performance. That the goal of maturity was not set front and center. That it was not clear. They didn't see the clear purpose for why God created it and therefore see no need for it. And so we as a church need to set forth very clearly. You as a member, what should be the goal of each one of us? We should be becoming more like Jesus. Verse 14 shows us the negative side of this. That we, we grow in maturity, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 14 shows us what the church should be protecting you from. If the church is to help you grow in maturity, then the absence of that influence is to leave you as a child, vulnerable to the ebb and flow of cultural philosophy and thought, to leave you vulnerable to cunning and crafty lies of the world. And so the church should be seeking to meet this goal. That as a church member you should be able to look at your time here in this church and say I have grown in maturity I've become more like Christ I'm not finished I have a long way to go but through the word and through the ministry of this church I have been growing in maturity that should be the goal very briefly what's the process how do we get to this goal and this is pretty obvious but it's worth noting growth is the process And we'll just touch on this briefly because it's very tied, closely tied with the goal of maturity. If the goal is mature manhood, then the process is growth. And we see this theme throughout the passage in multiple places. Verse 12 talks about building up the body of Christ. Verse 15 says we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Verse 16 makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The process of maturity is progressive, sometimes so progressive, you don't always see the immediate change, right? As your own child grows, you don't necessarily notice the growth from one day to the next. But if you were to leave for a year and come back, you're shocked at how much time they've how much they've grown in that time, right? You may not notice the growth day by day, but if you look at those notches scratched in the door frame, steady growth is undeniable. And here's why this is important to note the process. It's imperfect. It's messy. It's slow. It's actually a great comfort that God isn't in a rush. He patiently works with you and in you as you progressively mature into the image of Christ. So the goal is maturity, the process is growth. Let's get to our involvement, right? Let's get to the mission of the normal Christian. We've seen the goal and the process, who are the participants? We see this in verse 11 and 12. The participants are the saints, Christians. We're going to see there's different functions and different responsibilities. Verse 11 is going to list out different leaders who have been given to the church. And the first phrase in verse 12 gives us their function. The the, the leaders are given to the church to equip the saints. To equip means to prepare or train. And in verse 12, we see what they are equipping the saints for. What are they equipping the saints for? They're equipping or training the saints, that's church members, for the work of the Ministry. Ministry here means service. In short, you could say, in the church, when we talk about the participants, leaders train the saints to serve. That's the participants. Let's look at each one of these individually. Leaders equip, leaders train, sorry. Leaders equip, uh, verse 11, as a pastor in this church, my job isn't simply to impart scriptural knowledge or to give you a spiritual boost on Sunday. My job given by God is to train, to equip you, to accomplish your mission as saints in the church. And so this particular application is for me. If I am going to train and equip the saints, then I must have a crystal clear understanding of what I am to train you for. It means that I myself must be pursuing the same mission, that although I'm a pastor in the church, I'm also a fellow member. I'm a fellow saint in the church. You you can't train someone in something you cannot do yourself. And so I need to have a clear, crystal clear idea of what, what am I training the members of the church toward? And this passage tells us in verse 12, we are to train, equip the saints for the work of the ministry and so what does the normal christian in the church do he or she ministers to others so that the goal of christian maturity is pursued the saints are called to pursue maturity and help others pursue maturity so the accomplishment of the goal maturity which is realized through the process growth is achieved through the training of the leaders and the service of the members. You know, when we lament, I'm just not growing in church. It speaks not only to a failure behind the pulpit, but also a failure in the pew or the chair, whichever one. If we boil all this down to one statement, we could boil it down this way. I should be training you to help each other. Your mission as a normal Christian in the church is to help others grow. God did not leave the mission of Christian discipleship up to the professionals. Helping others grow is not limited to those who have a seminary degree or a certification. Helping others grow into maturity in Christ is your job as a normal Christian. But how? How do I help others grow? Because this sounds like an overwhelming thing. It's simple, but it's overwhelming. And your head can be filled with countless objections. Well, I don't know any answers to people's problems. I've got plenty of my own problems. And I feel hypocritical trying to help other people. I've got to get my own life in order. Or perhaps this, all the teaching opportunities are already filled. Right? there's no spots for me. So one of my goals in this series is to simplify and clarify your mission to make it attainable and also help you overcome those hurdles that might keep you from fulfilling your mission. And so that's, what, that's, that's gonna be the process of this series as we just go through, how, how is this attainable? What about this objection? What about this roadblock? What about this difficulty that makes this mission hard? But the participants is very clear. Those who grow the church are the saints, are the Christians. That growth comes from the congregation. What are the means? By what means are we to achieve this goal? Verse 15 tells us, speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. You are called to help others grow in maturity by speaking the truth in love. And by that, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. What does this mean? What's the truth? It's scripture. The Bible is the source of change. It's how our minds are transformed and fortified against the lies of this world. It's scripture that offers comfort in sorrow. It's scripture that confronts sin in our lives. It's scripture that gives us wisdom in confusing times. So in other words, you as a believer are called to deliver scriptures to other Christians in this church. You are to speak the truth in love to each other. This is how the Holy Spirit bears his fruit in our lives, by working through the truth of Scripture to enact change. In the book, The Trellis and the Vine, the authors use that illustration of a trellis and a vine uh, to describe the mission of the church. While a trellis is necessary to allow the vine to grow, the trellis is not the main attraction, is it? In the church, trellis can be things like program, events, or ministries, those things that are put in place to allow discipleship to happen, to allow the vine to grow. But sadly, many churches become all trellis and no vine. Right? A lot of programs, but no discipleship happening. we got a really impressive trellis. Look at the structure. Look at the craftsmanship. But there's nothing growing on it. And this book lays out a simple mission for the Christian, that vine work is the simple act of bringing the word of God to someone else. They put it this way. Despite the almost limitless number of contexts in which it might happen, what happens is the same. A Christian brings a truth from God's word to someone else, praying that God would make that word bear fruit through the inward working of the Spirit. That's vine work, and everything else is trellis. And they later state that this work applies to all Christians. They say the New Testament envisages that all Christian disciples will be prayerful speakers of the Word of God. Is that your mission? We sit here and we say, Your calling as a normal Christian in a normal church is to speak the truth in love. To each other, so that we may all grow and each member of the body is working properly, we build ourselves up in love. Ask yourself, when was the last time I sought to speak the truth in love to another Christian? Do we see our role as church members primarily to show up, to attend, do we see it primarily as well I have a role I have a job in church I have a something that I do or do we see it in this very simple way I am called as a Christian to speak the truth in love to each other And this is where we get stuck we hear all of that and say great we're supposed to speak the truth in love to one another where's the program Where's the sign up sheet And we jump straight into trellis mode, don't we? But think about it. When the author of Hebrews says, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, do we find in the next verse, and I'm so excited to announce to you a new ministry program designed to jumpstart your discipleship. Sign up today and join our eight-week exhort one another series, right? We don't see that, do we? Now, I'm no way critiquing Bible studies or programs. Again, that is trellis work, and you do need a trellis to help discipleship happen. Those structures allow for vine work to take place. In fact, next week in Vision Sunday, I'll be announcing some opportunities. I'll be announcing some programs, some ways in which we can disciple one another. So I'm not against it. What I want to challenge us with is the mindset which waits for a program before you pursue your mission as a church member. You can speak the truth in love in a vast number of different ways. A conversation with your teenager about how God's faithfulness is, is, is true even when friends reject him. You meet up with someone for coffee and read a, scripture, a passage of scripture together. You mention a verse that has been challenging to you as you talk with a friend in the hallway after church. You reach out to a brand new believer and ask if the two of you can walk through a Bible study together on the fundamentals of the Christian faith. You're stuck at home because of health, but you call up a friend once a week to talk about what God has been teaching you. You invite that one new member over to your house for lunch and share it. thank them for their testimony as they sh- they, that they shared that morning when they joined, and then you share their own, your own Right, this is, this is what I mean when I say that, that speaking the truth in love must be the culture of our church. A while back I was listening to a, to a, to a podcast where this football coach was talking about his experience of, of coming in and, 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 and working and kind of turning a program around. And one thing they always talk about in athletes is changing the culture of the team, how the culture of the team is really important. And he, 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 he said, this is how you know when the culture, what you're teaching, has impacted the culture. And he called them sound bites. When in just normal conversation amongst the team members, sound bites, things that the team members were saying, reflected what you have been teaching. And it was just showing up in normal interactions. That's when you know that culture is shifting. Because what is culture? Culture is just a shared understanding of what our values are. And it's almost unspoken, right? It's just in the air. It's the culture of the organization or the team or the church. What would it look like if the culture of our church, not just the programs, not just the ministries, not just the Bible studies, but the culture, the sound bites, were about speaking the truth in love? This is simple and it's attainable. Right? This is something that the new Christian can do. It's something that the seasoned Christian can do, the young or the old. We see the means of speaking the truth, and then the manner, as we close out, is in love, which is really important. That if we simply speak truth, but not in the manner of love, then we just become that hammer, don't we? We just, we just throw the tr- truth out there and hope it sticks. But as Colossians says, that love is what binds everything together in perfect unity. Love is a thing that actually motivates us to speak the truth. Right? If you sit here and think, well, I just don't feel like speaking the truth. I don't, I'm not a, you know, I give any number of reasons why we don't do it. But we give excuse after excuse of why I don't have to do that. But the thing that changes that mindset is a selfless love for each other. And it, sh- it changes in your mind from when you see someone else struggling, instead of going, I hope they get their act together. I hope the pastor preaches something that they need to hear. All right? I, and, and you know they're going through something, but, but rather than speaking the truth in love yourself, of going out and being a blessing to them, you just say, well, I hope, you know, I hope there's a Bible study they join. I hope there's a program they can be a part of. I hope there's a sermon that they hear. And we, and we leave the mission of the church to the trellis rather than growing the vine. And, and, and I know that as we go through this and we consider, well, can I really do that, right? It's, it's much easier said than done, right? It's not something that often enters into the normal conversation, right? I remember like being in youth group and thinking, yeah, I know we should probably, like, our conversations should be, you know, bring up scripture every now and then, talk about God, share what, what we've been doing, but especially in youth group, right? There's just that pressure of, I don't want to be that guy, I don't wanna be the one that's always bringing up the Bible and stuff, I wanna be cool, right? And that mindset doesn't stay in youth group, does it? We can have that same fear as adults. We're like, I don't know, I don't wanna be always you know, bringing up that kind of stuff in normal conversation. Why not, right? In fact, most people in the church are sitting there thinking, I wish we would talk about this stuff more. But yet, we don't step out and do it ourselves. Speak the truth in love. And as we go into this series, we're going to talk about, you know, really practical stuff. How do, how do we just make that the culture of the church from, from showing hospitality, from listening, from overcoming objections like, you know, I just don't like talking to people or, or I, I feel like I have own problems myself and I don't, want to, I don't want to seek to be a help to someone else when i got my own problems. Our goal in this series is to overcome objections, to make it attainable and realistic so that we can all, as a church, speak the truth in love. No matter else, what else you do in the church, whether you're in a ministry or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or you work in the kitchen or you're in the sound room or you're an usher or whatever else, or whether you have no official title at all, This is your calling. If you are a church member who is not at least seeking to speak the truth in love, then may God prick your heart and show you what your mission is. And even if you don't know where to start, the best place to start is to simply pray and say, Lord, could you help me speak the truth in love? Could you give me opportunity just to be a blessing, as we sang about, to those who need your word? And if we're all doing that, you know what's going to happen? We're going to start hearing those sound bites. It's going to become part of the culture of our church. My prayer is that in 2024, that our church would be marked, characterized by those who are speaking the truth in love to one another. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you give us grace in this. Lord, we admit that we have so many shortcomings we have so many weaknesses yet Lord you've given us this thing called the church you've given us the clear goal of maturity you've given us the process of growth you've given us your spirit and Lord you've given us as members of your church a very important task that is when each one of us is working properly we build ourselves up in love give us the grace to do that that each one of us would be seeking opportunities to speak the truth in love, in formal ways, informal ways, inside of church, outside of church, that this would be our mission.